He does what he does with the dog. Turns out he is allergic to dogs. <laughs> and he gets good. and he dies because of some anaphylactic <laughs> shock of some kind. He sickness. died? He died. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor. Phil is having some last-minute anxiety, wondering if he's turned off the bozo clown alert on his uh, cell phone, and that will be TBD as the show goes on. Uh, Happy Friday to you. Great Scott, it's time for your true crime, Phil. A show so good, it happens live every Friday, and I was just telling Scott, Seems like Fridays are every other day. Uh, I feel like we do this show literally every other day. The week goes so quickly. Uh, you all know Magnum P.I. over here, uh, Phil Waters, Detective Phil Waters. He spent decades in the law enforcement world, becoming one of the world's best at obtaining criminal confessions. 23 years in the Houston PD Homicide Division, investigating more than 400 homicide cases. Uh, he is also a Marine and the owner of Kindred Spirits Investigations and starred in the show, The Interrogator. He is going full Magnum P.I. with the Detroit Tigers hat, which I love. And then you've got Agent Scott Duffy, director of Wilmington University's Criminal Justice Institute. He is a retired FBI supervisory special agent, not just an agent, but a supervisory special agent of the Wilmington, Delaware Resident Agency. He worked violent crime matters, gangs, bank robberies, and fugitive task force cases for 20 years. Uh, And then he was promoted to supervisor, as I said. He served five and a half years as a Pennsylvania police officer uh, in the great Commonwealth of PA. Uh, Before we get going, a couple things here. Uh, Number one, I never drink coffee. I had a lot of coffee for some weird reason today, and uh, I was flying, and now the buzz is starting to come down, but I feel loopy, so that's good. Um, Scott Duffy just confessed, probably not for public consumption, but it's too late. His wife got off early today. He's just back from the microbrewery, and I can tell he's drinking coffee, so it could make for an interesting show. If he's slow, he has a bigger grin on his face. (laughs) He did. What he didn't tell me is that the micro brewery is also a micro dispensary. Maybe I don't know from the looks of those eyes of his, but uh, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to Phil Waters to figure that out. You guys are both former narcotics guys. Um, Needless to say, uh, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are at podcast S T S. The merch store is open. And uh, we are starting to rock and roll here. We are going to be bringing you a lot of new shows, new stuff coming uh, after July 1st. More to come on all of that. Uh, Without further ado, Ava is welcoming everyone in. Uh, Thanks for being here. Please hit the like. I love that she's doing the work, the, the chief technical officer's work here. Please hit the like button on your way in. Uh... Carpe Diem says Aloha from Maui. Look at this, Phil. Um, Aloha. We've got Ketchup, our friend from South Florida, who I believe is moving to North Carolina. Um, Tiffany, I don't fully understand. One day she's in Mexico, the next she's in Guatemala. But uh, so I don't know if she resides in Mexico or Guatemala. 
Black Widor says hello. Candy Scarrett says hello. And uh, the list goes on. Hello from South Africa, from Estelle Pretorius, and my man, Shaquille Oatmeal. What if I didn't talk about anything and I just read comments for the next hour and a half? Uh, <laughs> Simcha is in Indiana. Simcha means like a happy occasion in Hebrew. That's interesting. I wonder if there's any relation. Uh, hello, Joel, Scott, and Phil from sunny Toronto. Hope you fellas are doing excellently. We've got Ohio. And look at this. Phil's daughter, Abby. She's back. All she, right. Awesome. Hello, Abby. How are you doing? She is back. Um, real quick before I forget, no show this Sunday. It is Father's Day. Uh, we hashtag family first here at STS, and uh, my oldest daughter is at summer camp. She's got our first letter from her. It said, uh, "I am." It said, "Mommy and Daddy, so and so is not in my bunk. Her friend from home, love and miss you, V." That was the letter. It was about five words. Mm -hmm. Told my wife to take a photo and capture it because we will undoubtedly lose the hard copy, uh, and I want to hold on to those things she she was short and to the point um but my two other kids are here so uh sunday is father's day can't do a show uh carm is out of the uh country for a little while so she's not here so we will pick back up on monday happy father's day to phil and scott and everyone else um Without further ado, uh, the evildoers back in the news, Phil Waters. Um, of all things, his legal team went into uh, uh, filing motions uh, uh, proceedings, and uh, they are now asking Judge Judge to halt all proceedings to allow him time to contest his indictment. Uh, what say you, Phil Waters? Well, I don't know what Idaho law is. I've never heard of such a thing, of someone contesting the indictment once the indictment is in. I mean, there's one or two choices, right? It's either a no bill or a true bill, and he got true billed. And so I, uh, I, I don't know Idaho law. So I, I, that's something I've never heard of. I, I, my general sense is, is that these, because of the, the high-profile nature of this case and because of the case itself, that they are going to do their due diligence. They are going to check all the boxes because the last thing that anyone wants to have happen here is that if he's brought to trial, if he's convicted, he will automatically appeal the conviction. And what they do not want happening is a basis for that appeal being an incompetent representation. So they're doing, it looks to me like they are doing everything within the law to make sure that that doesn't happen, that they check the boxes and providing the best possible defense for this particular defendant. Phil, you do not drink coffee, do you? You told me you're a green tea guy, right? Well, I'm not even a green tea guy. I drink uh, iced tea uh, with lemon and lots of sugar in it, you know, that kind of thing. But no, I'm not <laughs> a coffee guy. Sugar or Splenda? You do like the real sugar? Uh, what's the point of Splenda? I mean, yeah. really, 
So no, I want the real deal. I want all that good uh, cholesterol climbing stuff in me. Yeah. Do you drink uh, Coke or Diet Coke, Phil? I don't drink Coke at all. Mm. I've never drunk Diet Coke because, again, what's the point? Yeah, but I bet you all your fellow homicide detectives drank a lot of Diet Coke, I feel like. I feel like that's a staple of uh, detectives. A lot of diet stuff, a lot of coffee and all that kind of stuff. I, I did not bow to peer pressure. Mm. Very, very happy to hear that. Um, I asked because, uh, Scott, how many cups of coffee do you have a day? This is number three. Two, two. Two is probably average, but this is three. I had a coffee, I told you, and man, I was ready to run 17 miles. As a matter of fact, I worked out. I did a double workout today. I'm trying to get fit for the first time in a long time. Been cracking at the gym. Did a double workout. And uh, if I collapse in the middle of the show... You know why? I always wonder right now if there's a new listener at this point, and they think this is a true crime podcast, if they're just yelling at themselves, say, what is going on? This is horrible. This is clickbait, and just start cursing at me. I always it won't, Joel, it won't make any difference because there are enough haters out there that they always complain about that, you know, we go off on these little tangents and this kind of thing. Instead of enjoying the camaraderie here and the discussion. Yes. They prefer to bitch, which is fine. That's, yes. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Friday is a family day. I feel like Scott and Phil are family. We have a good time. We talk about important things. Phil, you actually said uh, in passing that you were a power lifter. Back in your heyday, not to embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I just came from the gym. How much could you bench press in, in your heyday? Oh, my best bench press was uh, not, not terribly, not terribly. Uh, heavy for a lot of power lifters, but uh, 375. Holy crap, that's a lot of weight. Well, Duffy, could you throw up 375 on the bench? (laughs) Yes, without moving it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of weight, Phil. What do you think? You think you could do 225 no problem right now? I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Uh, it's been a long time since I pumped iron, and of course, the atrophy has set in, and uh, so forth and so on. I, I might be able to get one, but I, it, I, I would definitely need to have a spotter. Definitely need to have a spotter. But uh, wow. Wow. I loved, uh, I love, you know, I love deadlifting and all that. I think I, my best deadlift, deadlift was five twenty-five. My, uh, are your knees shot? Five have you, have you had any uh, replacements? I've not had replacements. My right knee's been operated on, and it's in shreds now. But uh, the next thing for that will be a knee replacement. My left knee has pretty much handled it fairly well over the years, but I screwed my knees doing a lot of stuff, racquetball, martial arts. Mm. Um, what martial art? Look at this. All the stuff I didn't know about. All the stuff I didn't know about Phil. Taekwondo? No, 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 no. I was when I was in uh, high school and college. I was a uh, in Tandaquan Kenpo, and then when my son got into the martial arts, and we went to the uh, the Chuck Norris system, the Chungkook Do. I also was in that, and, and uh, my son, second degree black belt. I I got as far as let's see. It's a green belt in Chungkook Do and a blue belt in Tandaquan Kenpo. So. Could you still take your son Shane in a, in a in a fight? You think just because you've got the dad uh, edge? Well, you know what I always said when he asked me that question. I said that uh, uh, 
age and experience will overcome youth and enthusiasm every time. So uh, there you go. From that aspect. That's what I figured. I'll never but... see it coming. That was what I always said. You'll never see it coming. <laughs> Tali is in Israel. Tali, my mother just landed in the Holy Land. She's probably within 20 minutes of you. Um, if you see her, say hello. She landed safely. Uh, before we get back to the evildoer, um, Jody Johnson has a pressing question for Phil Waters. Phil, are you worried about volcanoes on the Big Island? No. Simple well, question. We have, we have two. We have one active. In fact, Kilauea is uh, is active right now. It, it, it popped its top uh, a couple of days ago again, and then Mauna Loa uh, popped her top last year. So, uh, uh, but that's in fact Mauna Loa when that went off, that been pretty much pretty calm for about 40 years, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so, uh, but we're in zone nine, which is the uh, furthest away from any volcanic activity. If the, if the lava gets to us, there's a bigger problem than the volcanoes erupting. So the aliens may get to you first. By the way, that alien show was very successful, and I'm thinking of following up with some skeptics and having a debate this coming week. I'll keep you posted. Um, I'd like an honest answer from both Phil and Scott on this. See this next person. I am not T-Pain. When I first saw this person, I said, I'm not in pain. When I was done with the show, my wife said she and her brother, Space Coast, who sometimes moderates, were making fun of me incessantly. I have never heard T-Pain is a rapper. Uh, Phil, did you know that, that he is a rapper? Have you heard of T-Pain? Who? There you go. Scott Duffy, however, uh, shaking his head, saying, yeah, you had heard of T-Pain, Scott. I have. I actually worked security for an event that he held in Delaware. You did? Did you meet T-Pain? Yeah. I didn't meet him, but I saw him from afar. You did? Um, do you do a lot of private security, Scott? No, it was, I, I actually it was as an FBI agent. So we, it was a local university arena, and they asked for extra security. And so um, the FBI will always provide any assistance to our local partners, especially when it comes to entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, this question seemingly is coming out of nowhere. I don't know what this relates to, but it's interesting. So, uh, Scott... What is required to completely verify an alibi witness? Is there a way to verify that completely? I just think it's it's good old-fashioned investigative work. An alibi witness provides the alibi, whatever it is. Hey, Scott Duffy says he was here at 10 p.m., 6 p.m. And do I have a witness? And that witness may be an actual person or, for example, it could be, hey, is there a recording of um, best guests? And Scott says at 5 p.m. he was uh, posting live. So thereby, this would be an alibi witness. So uh, it could be a, as long as it is credible, verifiable, a receipt, video, a credible witness, and thereby an alibi witness. Um, my friend Ski Hat Sarah Joel, you should do a show on Richard Allen and the Delphi case. I listened to many podcasts about it when I was working in stained glass. What do you do with stained glass? Do you stain the glass? It's an interesting case. I have to be honest. 
never followed this case. However, I was reading up on him last night, and I'll tell you why. That guy is a great example of why you should never, ever commit a crime, because he went into the pokey, as uh, Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis says, and he looks like he is on death's door, this guy. he look, He's lost weight. He looks horrific, this Richard Allen guy. Um, they say he could be manipulating everyone. I don't know. But uh, I am willing to uh, learn more about it, and maybe we will do a show, Ski Hat Sarah. I'll have you produce it. Um, Pam Wallace, look at this. Massachusetts in the house. I adore hearing from your mom, Joel. Uh, she will be back on. I took a lot of heat for the alien show because Carm was late and I gave her a lot of crap. And then everyone gave me tons of crap, said I'm a horrible son. And uh, I have been um, absorbing some of those comments. And uh, I love my dear mother. We have an unusual relationship, to say the least. But uh, I cannot tolerate her tardiness. Um, but I'm sure she'll be late for the next show, so I need to get used to it. Phil Waters. So um, Ann Taylor, Brian Koberger's attorney, went a step further and said she clarified that Brian Koberger purposely, intentionally stood silent at his arraignment to, quote, unquote, preserve his right to contest the indictment. Uh, they cite Idaho law, which I said, I know you just said you don't really know. Uh, it allows defendants to challenge a jury if it was improperly formed and they're saying that this secret grand jury uh there was something iffy about it uh again do you think that this is coming from ann taylor if you had a guess or do you think that maybe brian koberger is playing some sort of uh game here some sort of legal game and by the way i'm going to need both of you to attend law school uh, now that you're retired, sometimes we have legal questions, and I'll need you to be able to answer those. But, uh, Phil, go ahead. What was the question? The question is, um, do you think that uh, Brian Koberger may have instructed his attorney uh, as opposed to vice versa? Is he? Is there some sort of gamesmanship going on here? Is he messing with people? Well, again, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he is doing... Given the fact that he's working on a PhD, given the fact that he's very interested in criminal justice and the law and so forth and so on, and all the things that come with it, I don't think this is anything. I think he, in some weird way, and this is just my opinion, I, I think he is kind of relishing the uh, the gamesmanship here, to put it in your words. I think he's he's kind of getting off a little bit to having some control over the situation that he has really finds himself in. So I, I don't know whether the attorney, you know, I don't know what the back and forth is obviously between he and the attorneys, but he's, he's the, the, the look, people have to realize that the clients in every case, they're the ones that call the shots. And they're the ones that make the decisions about what's going to happen in terms of the process. So if she's telling him one thing, I don't recommend this. And he is saying, I don't care. I want to do this. Then they're going to do what the client is wanting to do. So that's the way it's, it's set up. And, and again, 
they're just doing due diligence here uh, for the possibility of an appeal later. Um, this is what we call a tease in news, but we are going to get to some uh, very twisted, sordid stories later in this show. Uh, and I never really discuss with Bill or Scott ahead of time what we are going to discuss because they are professionals, so they just react. So I'm curious to see their reactions to some of these stories ahead. I'll leave it at now, that. Now, what we do, Joel, as yes, professionals, sir. is we respond. We do not react. It, it's a good good uh, distinction, and I'm glad you made that. Dom's mom, whose son has the same birthday as me. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, SDS fam. Happy Friday. Grateful to be here live with you all watching in Washington State. I bring this comment up because I like Dom's mom, but also I always see this stuff at the end of a comment, and I always wonder what it is because I'm not a, a millennial type. Person turquoise waving. Is that something that is translated from an emoji? Does anyone know? And can you guys let me know? Because I have no idea. And I know Phil doesn't know. Um, Laura Waldy in, De in Toronto, obviously a Detroit Tigers fan. Uh, most pressing question of the day. I forgot to ask myself. Ski Hat Sarah, how is Nugget? I'd hate to interrupt him right now. Nugget is napping on the couch. Yeah, hopefully he wakes up before this is It's over. a she, Joel. She, I always forget. She, I hope she wakes up. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany says, Scott unfiltered. Michelle Burns, happy Friday. Um, Scott Duffy, in addition with uh, Koberger, Latah County Prosecutor Bill Thompson has now come forward and asked for $135,000 for trial expenses Either of you care to guess what a typical trial for the public defender's office uh, runs in Latah County? Scott, what do you think typically they, they spend? In, specifically in that county? Yeah, because they're asking for 135000 right now for this case. But a typical case, do you know what they ask? Oh, gosh. Um, if you had a guess. I, I would say going for and, and in this like a murder case as opposed to some other. Yeah. Or um, just I guess I guess it's fair to say just an average case. I don't I don't want to say murder because that might make it seem higher than it is. It, well, I think that would change things if you're talking about, a, you know, a theft or a nonviolent crime. But but I would say on average, let's just say a violent crime case. Um. Hmm. You, you know, you're going to ask for, gosh, I, uh, at least 100 for sure. You're talking about, you know, uh, uh, investigators and and getting expert witnesses. So, Bill Waters, do you care to guess? This is like the price is right. Uh, Scott Duffy said 100000 per average case. They're asking 135 right now. Uh, whoever goes over loses. Uh one closest wins. This is like Bob Barker. Do you have a? Do you want to take a guess at an average cost of a case in Latah County for the public defender's office that they spend? Not an average case, and that's a small, relatively small county, right? This is stumped the investigators right now. Well, I mean, you know. I because you've got all these components involved in the thing. I would say probably average case, I don't know, 25000 35000 I don't know what they're paying their prosecutors and that kind of thing. Phil right. wins by a ton. Uh, Scott said 100 Phil said 25 35 The answer, average case in Latah County, they spend $15,000. 
and they are now asking for $135,000. Uh, Scott Duffy, that must surprise you on, on every front there, that they spend so little normally and are asking so much right now. Does it surprise you? Is, is this a trick question? So, And I I would take it if it's 15000 is the average case. Remember, you're talking average, so there's probably many, many nonviolent thefts uh, simple possession cases where it's literally a thousand dollars bringing down the big, the big cases. So yeah, I get, I, then I would, I would believe that. And then, um, I would take it. Those expenses are not inclusive of the salaries, right? I would mm -hmm. So yeah. Well, according to bill Thompson's request, trial expenses include for this trial, Paying for the services of expert witnesses, witness travel fees, transcription fees, exhibit displays. It's hard to project, he says, exactly what's going to be involved. We know that it's not going to be cheap. Um, Phil, does it seem like they would have to spend significantly more than $135,000 uh, to defend the case or put on their case vigorously as a state? Oh, sure. I mean, a capital murder case is always the most expensive case to put on. And we have the potential here of the death penalty. These, these cases are very expensive to put on, regardless of where they are. Mm. Uh, Linda Feldman, hello from L.A. The sun is still forgetting about us. Oh, well, I have you three fellows to enjoy the next couple of hours. And there is Scott's great smile. Look at that. Baby doll, STS fam. Uh, Greetings from Northwest Georgia. I have not gotten that one before. I look forward to watching you all. STS is the best thing going. Thank you, KD. Um, Patricia Ann Ryan says, nice shirt, Phil. Very striking. Hello from Virginia. So forget the evildoer. I'm tired of him. Lori Vallow. Um, Phil Waters, uh, her defense attorneys were in court. Uh, along with her on Thursday. By the way, she almost tripped and fell because she forgot her legs were shackled and almost clocked her chin into a wall, uh, reportedly. Um, you ever seen that happen where a defendant forgets her legs are shackled? No, I have not seen that. I have uh, pursued suspects that didn't mind that they were handcuffed behind their back and went running down the street, which is always a very, a very humorous thing to watch. Is it, it, it must slow them down significantly now. Well, the woman I'm thinking of in particular was a murder suspect who was hiding from us and we found him, we got him cuffed up and my partner was about to put him into the back seat. When all of a sudden I heard a kind of a shuffling noise and I turned around and looked and what I saw was in the rearview mirror was the guy running past the back of the car, handcuffed, and my partner chasing him. And I went, "Wow, that's different." So I, they were I, they were on foot. I just started the car up and went in pursuit. I wasn't going to go running after him. So the uh, but he's running down the street with his hands handcuffed behind him. And his pants were falling down, of course. So he's trying to pull the pants up while he was running. We did catch him, and he was at that point. Uh, he was definitely secure. Um, I have so many questions just on this. So when he takes off and you and you jump in your car, do you is do you have is it required? Do you have to radio in like ten thirty seven or whatever your code for that is? Well, we were we're homicide detectives. We're in plain clothes for one thing, and. Uh huh. And so we're kind of there on our own, 
And at that point in time, the last thing I was thinking about was getting on the, uh, and we had handheld radios by the, you know, so I needed to take action at that point and go back up my partner and get this guy in, into uh, to custody. So, so no, there was no, no time for radio stuff. What do you know the, whatever you, you say for a, a pursuit of a suspect? What is that? A 10, whatever. Oh, well, we didn't use 10 codes in Houston. You didn't. What so, did you use? Got one running, got one on the ground. That oh, yeah. What is the terminology we used? Yeah. So, what really, you didn't use numbers. You just used no. lingo. Oh, wow. No, we didn't use. We, I think there were a few 10 codes we might use, but not, you know, I think LAPD uses a lot of 10 codes. I don't know. Does, does, uh, does Philly, does Pennsylvania use? 10 codes, Scott, you know, I don't know. Yeah, they, they used to, and they are getting away from them more. Why is that? Because it's hard to remember what everything is? or That, as well as there are a couple of different versions of 10, of 10 codes. So you have a federal system, you have a state system, and then you have different state systems. So when you have somebody traveling about or transferring from one department to another, they're mixing up their codes. So the, uh, the I, think, I think it is a... Um, it's an archaic form of communication. It was, you know, originally meant to be simple, concise, and the public didn't know what they were necessarily talking about. But now it's pretty much just plain, plain English. Um, by the way, Phil, you know it would be really cruel but effective is since the guy is handcuffed, you just stick your leg out and he goes flying. Um, Scott Duffy, have you ever, ever had a person – um, in custody, as you say, who, t- who took off on you that you then had to chase down while they were cuffed. Uh, and one, yeah, so one time in, in leg shackles or the ankle shackles. And it, they took off with leg shackles? Yeah, they didn't get far. A couple of feet. Uh, oh they're, they're, they're easy to trip up by themselves. Yeah. Trip up. <laughs> Crash D or Day. Hello from Idaho. Uh, hello, Idaho. Um I don't know what this is, but hit the like button, I guess. Um, and Tiffany explains, saying, I'm traveling through Latin America right now, back to Mexico in July. Um, so anyway, uh, Scott, I'll switch over to you now. Uh, Lori Vallodabel was in court on Thursday, and her lawyer, Jim Archibald, gave multiple arguments for why they believe she deserved another shot at gaining her freedom. In other words, a new trial. Um the judge told her to just buzz right off. He barely heard what she had to say. Um, does that surprise you in any way, shape, or form? It, it surprises me that she was actually in court because, as Phil mentioned earlier, you know, the appeals start and they try to, um, you know, whatever, um, using whatever legal recourse to say, hey, this was done inappropriately or this juror did that or whatever it is that they collected through the trial or leading up to the trial and then try to to um, to get that that conviction thrown out. It's a it's a tall bar. It's a it's a high bar to get over. But um, it's yeah, I'm, I'm there are a few things I'm realizing that go on here that, uh, you know, um, that are different. So bringing somebody in shortly after their conviction, uh, almost for like an, an appellate hearing, it's, it's, yeah, it surprises me, but no, it, um, for what the judge, I can see the judge being very quick with their response. Uh, Phil, by the way, we just had, uh, Larry and Kay Woodcock on, they were kind enough to come on the show. Uh, 
They are J.J. Vallow's grandparents. Kay Woodcock is Charles Vallow's sister. Um, they're obviously devastated. They're trying to get their bearings straight, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, Larry Woodcock, without missing a beat, said that uh, he wished he was put to death and hopes that Chad Daybell gets put to death. Uh, does that stun you, surprise you, uh, make you pause for a moment, or is that how you'd expect him to feel? Well, being a grandfather of nine grandchildren, hmm. I understand his feelings and uh, what he would like to see the, the end game be for those, for those two evildoers. And so I think that's well within his right to have those kinds, those uh, those kinds of feelings toward those two people. And uh, they were amazing people, uh, full of grace and kindness. They are uh, believers uh, in their religion and uh, just wonderful people. So I'm glad that they came on. I'm glad I was able to. Uh, share them with STS Nation, and I told them they always have uh, an open invite. We've got a uh, hi from Perth, Australia, from Monica. Hello, Monica. Followed here by Misdemeanor. Can you move Carm into the frame more, please? She's fully in there. I would, but there's stuff on the floor. I'm not just making excuses. Um, I'll have her more in frame next time. Carm does none of the work, gets all the accolades. I'm used to it. It's all good. Uh, Wendy B., hello to everyone from Victoria, uh, British Columbia. Hello from Boston, Central Florida, Canada here. Look at this. I mean, this is crazy. Hello from Phil's neck of the woods, except for right now. Texas, Belfast, Arizona, Montreal, Utah. This is almost virtually all back-to-back. -back. Look at this. Look at this. And then we've got, uh, keeps going, Western North Carolina, Oregon and Utah again. Um, so Scott Duffy, uh, Jim Archibald, the lead attorney says, I don't, this sounds like the Koberger thing. He says, I don't fault the court as much as I do the government for the way this indictment was filed. For the court and the government to then at the end of seven weeks in Boise, all of a sudden say, just kidding, not really five people, it's two or more because of the definition of, definition of conspiracy this was a mistake created by the government. There was like a technical issue with the indictment itself. Um, they're obviously hoping to get the uh, uh, get off on a technicality and have a new trial. But uh, the judges use their discretion and say, wait a minute, this woman is guilty. Jury convicted her. I'm not listening to you guys. They have that kind of leeway, right? I mean, the judge is going to go by the law, so the judge is, is a pretty, uh, at least from the judges that I have come across, are uh, pretty well defined in the law. And so thereby, they, they, know, they know when something comes by their desk and it's contested, they're, they're going absolutely by the law. So it's, uh, they, 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 um, I, I would expect that the judge here, an, an experienced judge, knows exactly what um, what was allowed. So there are there, there's different interpretations, but I would imagine judge is pretty solid on what they've what they've chosen. Look at this from Catherine Regier, I believe, in Hawaii it is. 
Uh, Joel, in support of you, uh, you, Carmen, your family, your new studio, and memory, memory of your father, happy Father's Day with a super sticker. How generous is this? Thank you for all of your hard work and bringing us such professional, entertaining, and educational content. Aloha. Super, super sweet of you, Catherine. Very unnecessary, but thank you very much. And uh, I know you're here often, and we appreciate it. So uh, thank you so much. Followed by uh, Daniel Malloy here. Happy, happy Father's uh, good atmosphere, nice shirts. Okay, happy Father's Day. Um, that should be the tagline for our show. Good atmosphere, nice shirts. Um, moving on here. Screw Lori Vallow, too. I'm tired of her. On to, <laughs> on to Corey Richens. She is the Utah. Are you, are you sure the, uh, caffeine intake, the caffeine intake isn't still <laughs> kind of roiling a little bit there? It's still there. It's still there. I've got the uh, shakes, but it's, yeah, it's, look at Scott taking more sips of his coffee there. Um. So Corey Richens, I don't need to tell you guys, she is this Utah mom accused of poisoning her husband with five times the lethal uh, dose of fentanyl. Uh, Phil, she showed up to court on Monday and she tried desperately to cry. A lot of people say that they were what we call crocodile tears. They weren't even real. Um, she was denied bail. She was hoping to get out. Um, the victim's sister, Amy Richens, Eric Richens, sister, the now deceased Eric Richens, came out and said, look, you are greedy and manipulative. This was a bail hearing that lasted four plus hours with kind of victim impact statements. Um, we had Greg Scordis, the family spokesperson for the Richens family. He said in his 41 years in Utah, he's never seen a bail hearing go more than 15 minutes. This went four plus hours. Uh, Bill, have you ever heard of a bail hearing going that length? I don't know that I have off the top of my head. That's a that's a, a strange case in a lot of ways. I think this is the this is the young man that's got what five times the dosage of fentanyl to kill somebody in him. Yes. And his wife, didn't she write a book or some such thing? She wrote. She did, in fact, write it. She wrote a children's book about yeah. grieving for a dad and went on yeah. a yeah. So that evildoer is going to get her comeuppance. Uh, I, I, that's an atrocious case to take. And they've got, what, two or three children? Three, ch three boys, three, three young, three young three boys. boys. Yeah. And to take their father away from them because she doesn't like what's, I mean, talk about a narcissist and self-absorbed. So, Phil, I, I've asked you this many times. If you were uh, in the interview room with her, would you pose a question uh, such as I'm about to pose to you? Would you say to her, Corey, didn't you think about your three children? Would you ask a question like that? I might. I wouldn't ask it in that way because that's mm. a close-ended question. How would you way. ask it? I, I would say to her, tell me about the relationship that you have with your children. Tell me about the relationship that you had that, that their father had um, with the children. And give me your opinion about what he was like as a father to them. I'd want to get into the meat of, of, that, of that relationship, that family relationship. Phil, why doesn't she think about her kids before herself? Well, I think that's that's a rhetorical question, right, Joel? 
Uh, somewhat, but it's intended to have an answer, I hope. I mean, you, look, you've dealt with all these criminals. These three, these three kids are forever. They lost both parents now, essentially. Um, right. What the hell are they? What is she thinking? Well, sex, drugs, or money, right? So this thing, it appears to be it's going to be a money thing. Um, I, she's, she, again, to repeat, she's a narcissist. She's self-absorbed. She is out for herself. And has she always been that way? I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, so it, it, it would appear, I mean, on the surface, that this was kind of the American dream family type deal going on there. And you see these pictures of them, and it's just, gosh, I mean, who knows? There's evil in the world. And she's, at that moment in time, and whatever made her turn this way, she got full of it and to satisfy her own desires. Hmm. Uh, Rosie from Tucson, a special thank you. Uh, you became a YouTube member for multiple reasons. I'll tell you why. Mabel Rose, my beloved Puggle, passed away at 17 years on December 26. And uh, I would often refer to her as Rosie, Mabel Rose, Rosie. So that makes sense. Uh, by the way, I just found a portrait I had done of her. And it is now up. I'll post it on Instagram is now up on the entrance to my kitchen. Uh, my kid said to me, what's up with dad? Why does he have so many pictures of Mabel and now a portrait? He doesn't have pictures of us up. And I said, what my dad taught me to say, mind your business is what I said to her. And uh, I also met my, my wife when I was a reporter at Kagon 9 News in Tucson, Arizona, like 15 years ago. So Rosie's a double special comment. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't even really think of this, but I am now included, sadly, in this. Happy Father's Day to all my crime friends that have lost their daddies. Third without mine, it's so hard. Uh, sorry about that, Megan. Sorry to hear that. Sadly, I joined that club. Um, I still think I'm in shock because I haven't. I've broken down like three times, but uh, I'm an emotional guy. And uh, let me digress for one moment. I met Photog Phil. Who reminds me in a lot of ways of Phil Waters, ironically. Uh, almost looks similar, similar-ish. Um, he was my photographer, my photojournalist, when I was at Fox News. And he was down here because of the Trump indictment. And I said, Phil, I'm going to come down and, and grab a drink with you. Uh, and we were sitting at a bar inside a Hyatt right by the courthouse. His father passed away. My father passed away. We started talking about it. Uh, we were fine. And then we got to Mabel and Lily. His dog was a Boston Terrier, just died. And he started sobbing. And I couldn't help but tear up. And we were discussing our, our lost pets. Um, here's a grown man, kind of tough, like a Phil Waters type, big, strong, and uh, mentioned his now deceased Boston Terrier, uh, Lily, and uh, that was it. He lost it. Um, so big, tough men like Phil Waters do get emotional, but this was Phil LaCroix. I love Phil LaCroix. Let me add a little anecdote to that story. Yes. Yeah. So my Bull Terrier, mm. who we had to put down. The one you just showed us? No, 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 no. Okay. That's okay. Poppy. That's Poppy. That's okay. The, that's okay. The the first one that we had to put down 
the day before we came to Hawaii in 2020 to live our first year here. And I had to put her down the day before we left. So her name was Lily. And I can tell you it's the toughest thing I have ever done. And I still will get emotional uh, talking about her. But what I wanted to share here was, is, and, and it is this. There's a reason why dog spelled backwards is God. It's because he created that animal to show his unconditional love for us. So if you think about it, your dog is always glad to see you. It doesn't make any difference what mood you're in. That is unconditional love. And I'm not saying God's a dog. What I'm saying is that he created that animal to show his unconditional love for us. Phil, one of the most beautiful things you've ever said. And uh, I'm putting together what they call a sizzle reel, which is like a minute 30 highlight reel for the show. And I'm going to get that in there somehow, some way. Um, there's nothing that I love more on this earth than dogs. If I could have 300, I would. Um, my wife says if I get another one, um, she was going to find a new home for herself. Um, but I still probably will now. I had to get Ethel when Mabel was about 15 because I knew the time was coming, and I'm glad I did. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into the sorrow, but Mabel was not doing great. For six months, I had to give her an IV. Her kidneys were going, and you had to like lube up the kidneys. So my wife and I would get a like a, a banana bag of fluids every day, and we'd have to jab her in the back, and she would just sit there, sweetest dog in the world. One day, she was not well, took her to the emergency vet on Christmas Day this year. She seemed okay, stable enough to me. I went home at midnight after laying with her, and she passed away overnight. When I woke up, I, I got up at like 5 in the morning to check on her, and the doctor said, I am so sorry. I could not believe what I was hearing, that she had passed away without me there. Um, it's still something that haunts me. I had to go into that vet's office the day after Christmas, and I sat Phil with her cold body for hours. And uh We'll never forget that. Now that I've depressed everyone beyond recognition, let's get back into. Uh, I think the caffeine is now starting to. Yeah, now I'm spiraling into. Oh man, I love that dog so much; it's insane. Anyway, I'll put the. Uh, I married into a dog with my wife. Her name was Zilla, named after Zilla County in Washington, where my wife worked at some horrible TV station. Uh, when I first met her, she hated me. She tried to bite me. I nicknamed her Killa. That's what stuck. So Mabel and Killa. So I have a portrait of Mabel and Killa. It sounds horrible, but I love Killa too. We always say she was misunderstood. Uh, sometimes I think about cutting the portrait in half just so I have Mabel, but that would be horrible. I do love you, Killa, but I feel like Mabel should have her own portrait, and uh, that's where we stand. But I'll post the portrait of Mabel and Killa. It'll be on my Instagram at Surviving the Survivor. We haven't heard from Jay Thomas Reset in a while. Uh, look, at, here we go, Phil. Oh, yeah. B BK may walk. Prosecution has fumbled the ball. 
has withheld evidence from the defense among numerous other missteps. They better have a ton of evidence. What do you say to uh, Jay Thomas reset? It has been a minute since we've, we miss you, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Good to have you back, Jay. I, I don't know at this point, I, you know, missteps and so forth and so on. If I don't know, I, this is the first I've heard about him withholding anything. Of course, if they get into withholding anything, that's going to be a Brady violation and so forth and so on. But I, we're, we're, we're at the very beginning of this thing. So let's not get caught up in, in the daily uh, mechanics of what they're doing. So I, 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 I'm not ready to call a game because there may be a penalty at this point. So it's let's, let's wait and see how this thing plays out. We got some real doozies coming down the pike here today as uh, coming down the pike is an expression that Angelo Dundee, Muhammad Ali's trainer used to use. And I've uh, invoked that uh, Scott Duffy. Amy Richens, back to the Salt Lake mom. I'm sorry, Corey Richens, but Amy Richens is a sister-in-law, the, the sister of the deceased. And she said this, uh, Scott Duffy, speaking of the woman that killed her brother, she said, she punched me in the face and had to be pulled off by four people when she found out for me that she was cut out of the life insurance uh, money. What does this say about her character, a woman that's on trial now or will be on trial for murder, denied bail, uh, attacked her sister-in-law when she found out she was cut out of the will? What does it say to you, Scott Duffy? It just goes to show a lot about what she's all about, right? So as Phil said, it's sex, drugs, or money. And if money is the motive, and now she found out she's not even getting any life insurance, again, money, money, money. So um, greed, 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 and it uh, manifests itself in so many different ways. So it doesn't surprise me. Phil, I'm writing this book. My mother's screaming at me right now watching this on YouTube because she hates when I mention it. But um, we just did a chapter entitled Life is an Illusion. And it's like, it's sort of... This notion that when I, I won't use a Ferrari, but when I get my Lamborghini, everything will be okay. Uh, if I drink Modelo, I'll be surrounded by beautiful models. If, whatever, everything seems to be an illusion in life. Um, how do you see money, Phil? That's open-ended. How do you see money, Phil? Why does so many I, see, I see it as a necessary means to to survive, to feed your family and and provide some things to them. I don't of course of course this will get it going. Anytime I talk about God or invoke anything, of course it's <laughs> all the bedwetters and the atheists and everybody get all shook up. But you know, the Bible says it's the love of money that is a sin. So money in and of itself is not something negative or derogatory. It's the way we conduct commerce. It's it's the way we do business. It's the way we provide for our families and so forth and so on. So in terms of money, it's a it's a it's a ne it's necessary. And uh, you know, it's when people I mean, my, my, I, I've never been, one of my goals in life has never been to accumulate a lot of money. It's always been to work hard, 
and utilize those things that I need to have to provide for my family. So, you know, people will people will say, you know, these people that have a lot of money, uh, you know, you know, millions and billions of dollars, you know, are they happy? Well, you're darn right they're happy because they've got millions and billions of dollars. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think Jeff Bezos walks around without a worry in the world that he he never has to think about a bill, never has to worry about you know? What do you think? Now this is just my opinion. Yes, but I would bet Jeff Bezos walks around worried all the time about things that we couldn't even comprehend. Hmm. What about uh, same with like Elon Musk and these guys? I think those guys. I think those guys that that you know they have worries that we don't have. And I mean, look at just because they got a lot of money. I mean, look at these people that win these lotteries. Yeah, these these unbelievable. You know, I think I think there was a lottery recently held. It was what over a billion dollars or some crazy thing. Yeah. And there's a. I think there's a whole um, a whole group now of people that have won these mega lotteries, and they're now all broke, and they're now all in a in a you know. In a group talking about, you know, hi, my name is so and so, and I'm a lottery winner. It's 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 whatever that distraction is that comes into your life suddenly that you're not able to handle. So these people get a lot of money, and now all of a sudden they got family members they never heard of, and you got everybody coming to them and want this that, and they don't know how to handle that kind of thing when it's instantaneous. It's the same thing. You can apply it to almost everything that. Uh, you know, the solution to everybody's problems is always give them more money. And that's just not the solution to every, everybody's problem. And I kind of, I kind of, uh, to, um, do you remember the, do you remember the movie Bruce Almighty? I saw it. I saw bits and pieces. I don't remember. It, it, very it had Jim Carrey in it. Yeah. 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 And Morgan Freeman played God. Uh-huh. Remember that movie? I do. I mean, I remember it. I don't remember it well, but I remember it. Well, so what was the what was the the, the plot of the movie? So Bruce Almighty Bruce is he wants to have the ability to grant anybody any wish they have they want, and so he's given that. Well, he starts getting people all sorts of stuff. Well, what's the what's the theme throughout that movie? The theme is is that he was giving people what they wanted, not what they needed. Mm. So there's a, true. there's a, there's a, you know, having a bunch of money. I mean, all that, I, all I can say is that in my life, uh, my wife and I worked very hard at, at our jobs. She was a speech therapist for 34 years and worked with autistic children and, and children that had those kinds of challenges. She's very, very patient. They don't call her Saint Sandra for nothing. She had to put up with me now for almost 41 years. So. I was going to say, she must be patient, and she had to yeah. deal with Phil. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would just tell you that you've got to keep things in perspective. Uh, and for those those friends of mine where it was always about accumulating stuff and money and that kind of thing, all I can tell you is you can't take it with you. Scott Duffy, I always say, by the way, my mother-in-law's name, shout out to Sandra, Sandy, we call her, uh, Scott Duffy. 
Um, I always say, uh, tongue in cheek, but not really, if I had $151 million, I would not have a worry. Uh, obviously, I'd have to worry about my children and stuff, but uh, does money solve everything, Scott Duffy? No, it does not solve everything. Deep, very deep. Right. It's, uh, of course, the, everything's in perspective. So it's, um, yeah, did you, you know, Jeff Bezos had a horrific situation. You know, he, uh, he had a custom built yacht and, uh, they couldn't get it, I don't think, out of the port because, or under the bridge. They didn't realize it was so big. Then they had to disassemble part of the boat or the yacht or the bridge, and it was a real catastrophe. So, I'm sure uh, that he was worried about that. I'm sure he lost sleep. But um, we digress for the 97th time. Uh, Scott Duffy, back to you here. So, uh, <laughs> My wife's name is Sandra, by the way, Joel. No, you told me that. That's why I said St. Sandra. You said it. So uh, Corey Richens tackles the sister-in-law. But then Scott Duffy, she goes a step further. She decides she's going to help the police investigation along and begins to email. Uh, law enforcement. And among the many things she says, she says, I want this to be over. They were questioning why shortly after the murder, uh, alleged murder of her husband, she traveled to Spain and Mexico with her kids. Uh, and she, she started to email police and gave them a whole bunch of reasons. Um, if you're investigating this and you get an email from the accused killer. Is this a gift for you, Scott? And she's telling you she wants it to be over. This sounds like a young kid stomping her feet, uh, having a tantrum saying, I don't want to deal with uh, the repercussions of what I did here. Uh, would that be a gift to you to get emails from her? Oh, sure. I'd love any statement, written, verbal, voicemails. Love it when when a suspect knows they're a suspect and now they're always trying to stay one step ahead and. I love the lies. I love the information. There's always something truthful within those, within, within the conversation. And, and if, if I'm correct on a couple of previous episodes, she, it, she had something to do with a previous attempt or something, right? That came out. And, and then I would imagine that's why the husband removed her from. Yes. From she tried, will. she tried to poison him previously. Yeah. And people said to her, by the way, another couple just died in Mexico. Uh, I, I'm going to be careful before I ever go there again. They said that th they thought they had food poisoning. They yeah. went to the hospital, got IVs, went back to the hotel room. They were sick from carbon monoxide poisoning. They both died. Um, just a public service announcement. Be careful. Uh, get a carbon monoxide detector. Uh, but yeah, Scott Duffy, she did try to poison him previously. People say, well, why would he ever take a drink from her? It's tough not to do when you're married, living in the same house. Maybe you forget for a moment, but that was a horrible mistake. Um, cost him his life. Uh, moving on here, though. Hey, hey, Mona. Haha, ha, Phil. I get you. Don't believe in decaf or non-alcoholic beer and wine. This person's insane. Oh, this is I am not T-Pain. Sorry about that. You're not insane. You're in pain. Uh, Diet Coke tastes better than regular Coke. It's a fact. No one argue with me. There's no chance. Abs You've been drinking Diet Coke too long. That's your problem. I could drink Coca-Cola by the gallons. I have forced myself to curb my sweet tooth. Uh, Paige Malone, so thankful to catch alive. Uh, no diet drinks. Yuck. Back to my friend, Ski Hat Sarah. I'm drinking a Masala Limka. I have no idea what that is. 
Bill, do you? It doesn't seem like you do. Never heard of it. Me neither. It's no uh, infusion uh, or whatever it is, Scott Duffy. Uh, Sally Vela. Scott Duffy, is this true? They use Coke, Coca-Cola to clean blood off the highway when there's an accident. Have you ever heard this, Scott Duffy? No, I never heard that. So why Coke as opposed to any other oxygenated chemical? I guess, yeah. I guess it rips your insides up and, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, Daniel Malloy, let this evil person challenge all the charges. That's his right. We're talking about Koberger. But good luck explaining away his DNA being at the murder scene. On to the next story. Matthew Nilo. Uh, do you remember him, Phil Waters? He is the accused Boston serial rapist who is an attorney. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, he was he was arrested. Yes. Uh, he was in court this week. Um, he posted bond or bail, uh, $500,000 cash. His fiance paid for it. On his way out of court, he adjusted his ankle monitor, his GPS tracker. Uh, he had to surrender his passport, have no contact with the victims. He has to stay a thousand feet away from where these crimes happened at Terminal Street in Charlestown, unless accompanied by his attorney. Um, what say you? Should this guy be out on the street? This happened uh, 15 some years ago. Uh, they caught up to him with genetic genealogy, investigative genetic genealogy, otherwise known as IgG. Um, Boston seems to have some lax um, laws as it relates to rapists. Should this guy be out at all uh, pending his trial? He has the right to make bond. Bond is not a punishment. Bond is posted to guarantee his showing up in court. So, you know, we've had the exact opposite effect here in Texas. They've done all this bond reform nonsense, and it's happened all over the country. And they're just, they're, they're not holding people accountable to showing up in court by giving them a bond that is commensurate with the particular offense they're charged with. $50,000 for, for a sexual assault on a bond is, is pretty high. And uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying either way. I'm not going to get into discussion about it. It's not high enough, you know that kind of stuff. Now there are some times when there, uh, when a person is placed and there's a no, there's no bond. And remember, bonds are set to guarantee that person returning. And that's when you see these million dollars and fifty million dollar bond, these ridiculous bonds, because that person. There's something about that particular case or that defendant that is going to lend itself that they may not show up for court. So they're going to make it high. If they can meet the bond, if they can meet that, that then they, they can get out. If they cannot, then they're going to have to stay in there. But it's, it's to guarantee them appearing in court. So to argue whether it's high enough or not high enough or should it be out, it's really, I mean, that's a nice academic discussion, I guess. But the reality is, is that he has the right, when a bond is set, to post that bond. And that's just a guarantee in court. And that's it. So here in court. Tiffany, who's now in Guatemala, but from Mexico. I love Phil, uh, which is good to hear. I am not T-Pain. I love how relaxed Fridays feel. Chill Fridays are really fun. 
Um, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Three handsome dudes in one place. Nobody's going to sign off. Thank you so much, Scott uh, <laughs> Duffy says. Um, it's early yet. Raul Thomas says, you have to use sugar to support the sugar cane growers in Hawaii. Uh, and look at this. I have never, I don't, to be honest, I don't know what he looks like. Has anyone told Scott that he resembles Eckhart Tolle? He is not, is, he is not affected by coffee. Eckhart Tolle is the uh, power positive thinking guy. Um, have you ever been told that, Scott Duffy? I haven't. No. Well, now you have. But, but coffee, I, I can drink coffee late at night. It won't. It won't affect you. Yeah. It won't prevent me from going to sleep. I'll put it that way. Uh, Sarah, Ski Hat Sarah is giving us the ingredients to whatever she said she was drinking, a masala lika or something, whatever it was. It's a lemonade mixed with Indian spices. I was going to say masala sounds like Indian spices. Uh, it's really good. Um, look at this. I thought everyone would sign off and yell and gripe. Um, Fridays are my favorite show. Great Scott, it's your true crime fill. Maybe we need to switch the title to Great Scott, it's your true life fill. Because we talk about life here, um, not just true crime. So maybe I have to look at that. Um, look at this. Scott's getting a fan base here. Love Scott's smile today. Uh mm. Uh, misdemeanor asking an interesting question. I would actually love to do this. Um, can you bench press Carm next week? It's going to be difficult because she's uh, 11,000 miles away, but uh, I could try. I could try. Uh, I don't know that I could, but I'll try. Uh, Scott and Phil, best guests always. Uh, Scott Duffy, back to the um, accused serial rapist. So he's out on uh, bond, um, but other people that are out are his accusers. There's a woman named uh, Lori Pinkham. She was on ABC News and she said she, uh, you know, alleges that she was sexually assaulted and potentially raped by him. I don't know the details. She said, and I quote, I'm sickened and afraid for myself and the other victims and anyone that could be hurt. I am in disbelief that he's back on the streets and also fear he will try and retaliate against me. I mean, this is on a serious note. A real serious fear. This is the kind of thing that haunts uh, victims for years on end. It's been 15 years, but and I saw the interview, and you can tell she is really nervous. Um, do you have a concern that this guy could potentially reoffend while wearing an ankle monitor? Uh, do you, does a leopard ever change its spots? Do you think this guy is rehabilitated? He's got a fiance. Ask you 30 questions. Um, feel free to answer any of them. So I'll start with the victims. Absolutely. They, they fear, they fear for everything. They, they put themselves out there. Um, they suffered um, the unimaginable. And, and now an ID goes with a DNA match and an arrest takes place. And so you have that heightened joy that their day in court's going to come. And now you have a bunch of step backwards because He's made bonds. So Phil's exactly right with regards to the bond. It's a court issue. It's nothing to do with law enforcement. Cops would probably love that they're the person that they put in jail for a serious crime remains there. So they don't have to worry now because it is law enforcement that will now have to handle, first and foremost, the victim's genuine concerns heightened by any evidence of harassment, witness intimidation, 
reoffending to brand new victims. And so, yeah, there's a lot of concern, uh, and not, a, and and this this case unfortunately is not unique in that regard. Um, as as I have had suspects with that have uh, have been charged with attempt homicide, shooting, especially in the, in the gang world, and and a bond will be made, and because you know the the ability of to raise the funds, and they'll be out in the street, and so we're you know doing due diligence to protect witnesses, to protect the victims. Um, but so, so there's a lot that goes there and I totally uh, feel for those victims because now, now they're, I, you know, it's possible that they're going to move possible that they'll um, they're, they, they, their address of record. They don't want uh, to remain there knowing that, or at least realistically believing that, um, they they could be targeted, so it's it's a genuine concern for any victim and witness that uh, that now has to face the fact that hey, what's the desperation of an individual who is facing uh, significant jail time? Now they have time um, to to be out there with their freedom to try to uh, potentially, you know. Um, uh, disrail the justice. Uh, well, you know, it's awful. There are at least three other victims. Uh, they have asked Boston PD for other potential victims to come forward. Uh, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I don't know that a trial date has been set, but uh, we've got a, an accused serial rapist on the loose with an ankle monitor. If I'm his fiance, I'm probably asking myself a lot of questions right now, including why did I just pay all this money uh, for a guy who's not the guy I thought he was? But uh, look at Courtney. I am actually watching today because I need to watch some good banter. If people don't like it, they can buzz right off. Thank you, Courtney. And then, and then she went right on and gave us a super sticker. So thank you. Wow. Uh, we, we already covered this. I lagged so far behind. Lindsay Shea, does Phil know who T-Pain is? Uh, from his expression, I think it's safe to say that is a negatory. Uh Tali from Israel. Joel, I just wanted to say I'm a criminology student and I learned more from your show, not from me, from Phil and Scott uh, and your best guests in my three years studying. So thank you, Scott and Phil, for what you do and bringing your knowledge. Uh, Tali, I'll take it a step further. Um, get your class to watch and subscribe and tell your professor I'm always looking for criminologists. Um, I need some Israelis in the mix. They don't mess around. Uh, they speak truth bombs, as they say. So uh, get me in touch with your professor, survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. Uh, Phil, what is your favorite T-Pain song? <laughs> My favorite T-Pain song? Yeah. Is that, I, is that I have never listened to the man and don't know who he is. So if he's got, a, if he's got something along those lines, that would be my favorite song. <laughs> We are never heard yet. That's my favorite song. Um, keep in mind what Phil said about dogs and God, and we're now getting into the meat and potatoes. A couple more stories to go on this beautiful Friday. Um, Phil Waters, an award-winning Penn State professor, has been arrested in a sickening bestiality case. Uh, he has a pet collie, Phil, and. Um, he was at a national at a, at a, a state park, 
And uh, this person's name is Themis Matsukis, 64 years old. And uh, one of the park rangers saw something on a park camera. Um, it was a lewd act in the forest with his dog. So uh, officers from the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, otherwise known as DCNR, showed up at Professor Matsukis's doorstep to search his home um, after he was caught performing sexual acts with his dog. Um, have you ever uh, dealt in a case of this nature, Phil? Yes. And your thoughts? That's open-ended enough. <clears throat> well, as by the way, is Nugget, is Nugget, say, uh, hold on. Is Nugget awake or asleep? Please, Nugget's asleep. Please cover her ears, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, go on. I worked a case. With uh, the, the primary detective, I was I was there to assist him. But we got a case of a suspicious death. This person dies in the hospital, and the doctors cannot figure out what killed him. Although there is some suggestion that he was involved in some kind of sexual activity. So we go to the guy's apartment in a very nice apartment in Midtown, one of these high-rise things. And we get there and we see a nice apartment, but we see a dog dish, like for water. We see a lot of white fur kind of around, but we don't see a dog. Then we start looking around the apartment and we find some rather uh, interesting sex toys. And then we find where he's got his computer set up and it's opened up to a, a chat room thing. And long story short is that he was a guy that would surf the interwebs looking for people who are out there who have dogs, canines, that have been trained to allow them to have sex with them. And, of course, we just kind of went... This is all my fault, by the way, but I could not resist the story. And the next one that's coming. But go ahead, Phil. Okay, so the we find the guy that provided the dog, and we found the dog. Um, beautiful white German shepherd. And listen to the story of this unbelievable perversion as it played itself out. What happens is this guy gets the dog. He does what he does with the dog. Turns out he is allergic to dogs. <laughs> and he gets and he dies because of some anaphylactic <laughs> shock of some kind. He, he died? 
it died as a result. You know what? That's God right there. If you don't believe, now you do. And he was, and I want to tell you, he was from, I want to tell you he was from Idaho. He was either Idaho or Utah. Mm. And his parents called us to find out what killed him. And, of course, my <laughs> partner was the one that got the, the phone call. His case. So I listened to him very delicately try to explain to him what we believed had killed him, what the doctors were telling us. We've either reached a new high or a new low, but I'm not sure. Well, what. that got well. This is real life stuff. I mean, people yeah. probably this 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 has to go in this. This has to go in the sizzle reel. This this yeah, has to be all. So so. so what happens is uh, that conversation, I think the parents had an idea that he was into some sexual stuff, uh, but not this. And so when he kind of got to it, they said, uh, well, we'll get back with you. And, of course, he never heard from them again. But, yes, yeah, so that's true story. It's a true story. I'm just telling you, those. Those people are out there, and there are people out there that help facilitate this kind of perversion. Uh, misdemeanor says Scott is eclectic and humble. Um, uh, Megan Baldwin says Joel T. Payne needs to be the new background music. I couldn't afford it if I wanted to, but I'll look into it. Uh, this is only related to T. Payne, Phil, nothing else. Wow, Phil, you disappointed me. Scott, you are cool. Um, who is a lady in back of you? That is my lovely mother. Um, a lot of people always ask me, what, what is the, the meaning behind the name of your show? Uh, and look at this. Tali in Israel says, I'm totally going to be a groupie to your mom if I see her. Carmen the Holy Land. Now that's a show. By the way, uh, I am going there for a week. A week from Saturday for a my niece's wedding. I was forced to go. I love my niece. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't really want to go 11,000 miles for five days. But Carm came down hard on me and Coburgers in court like the day I land or the next day. So I'm going to try to do a live, but I have a special set of shows coming up that I'm going to tell you about next week while I am there. Not for you to watch. They're really cool. And I've been working on it. Um, not Can as I cool as Scott, Scott Rocks. Yes, Phil. What what brought up this T Pain guy in the first place? The 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 commenter's name is I am not T Pain. So, oh, okay. and when and when I read the comment right here, Phil, look, I am okay. not T Pain. And when I read the comment at first, I said I am not in pain. I, I had never heard of I am not T Pain. Everyone made fun of me. Um, but let us not forget this professor at Penn State. So Scott Duffy, here we go. This shocking footage, which there's plenty of shows this professor at Penn State. By the way, Penn State is infamously home to Jerry Sandusky, uh, the football coach who was doing untoward things to young boys. So university has a problem. Uh, it shows this professor wearing nothing but a ski mask, boots with socks, and a wristwatch. And he's carrying a backpack with nothing else on. Uh, he could be seen, I'll say it this way, diddling himself near a women's, woman's public restroom 
before, and I quote here, engaging in a sexual act with the dog. Uh, he tried to record it, they see, uh, with his iPad. He tried to record him and his colleague. Uh, they had at least six other images where he's just walking through the woods completely naked, dating back to 2014. Scott Duffy, what is this guy's issue? What is this guy's issue? Seriously, I mean, there's all kinds. I, I get it. Like, people are into stuff. They're into kinky stuff. People behind closed. Like, I get all that. But, Scott, what is going on here? I mean, with a dog. By the way, before you answer, no pressure. Scott is even cooler than I thought, so be careful how you answer. Well, look at this, but Scott. Before you answer, Scott reminds me of Mister Rogers. Whoa. Very calm, wholesome, smart, and kind. He even mm -hmm. wears a sweater in the winter. Scott, what is going? It's, look at this. Sweater. Look at this. It's all. It's flooding in right now. Scott's voice lowers my blood pressure. Um, <laughs> Scott, I, I, I look. My dad was a psychiatrist. My mother is a very open-minded woman. She's a licensed therapist. I've heard everything in my lifetime. Um, I was going to tell a story that I can't tell. Um, but I was thinking about telling you guys something. I, I just can't. I'll reveal it another time. You have to. I'll do, I'll do, I, all right. I'll, yeah. My dad is no longer here, but uh, occasionally my dad would... My dad was a psychiatrist for 40-something years. Um. This guy was a very prominent network television producer. And I never knew this at the time, maybe 30 years after the fact, this guy rose all the way up the ranks. He was a lovely man married with his beautiful family and kids. And my dad later in life confided in me that this guy was his patient at one point and his thrill uh, in the 70s, 80s and 90s was meeting young boys in subway bathrooms in Manhattan. Um, I couldn't believe it. So there's a lot of things that go on uh, that are a bit shocking, uh, a little odd and strange. Uh, but, but Scott, what is going on when it comes to engaging with a dog? Please give me your psych psychological analysis. <laughs> wow. I, I can say I've don't think ever in my career have I dealt with, I don't think so, it's not coming to mind, with the case of bestiality. I will say this, if I can, since you said a collie, that really breaks my heart since I grew up with collies. My mm. mom raised collies. Oh, wow. So that's... Our col I don't know much about collies. Are they particularly mm. like sweet dogs? Are they... Uh, are they... Yes, at least in my experience, um, it's very smart, uh, very family oriented. Just a beautiful dog, but it's, um, gosh, you, so you have a professor. Take away the fact that he's a professor. Who cares, right? I mean, it's, I think Phil and I have seen our take of all walks of life and crazy. Um, you know, whether it be fetishes, I, I have worked, uh, uh, especially working in Wilmington. So you, it's a small office where we help each other out a lot. And so I was on many, many, many search warrants um, for one sex related case or another, for, you know, mostly crimes against children. And so it's I've seen the depravity and when you think you've seen it all, another day comes with another 
depraved individual. So it's, um, oh gosh, it's, that's a, it's just another depraved, uh, you know, if, if, if you submit and you give in to whatever it is, that's your demon. Gosh, it's just, uh, you know, there's no telling what, what man, when, what human being can do. It's, it's really, but it's real life. So we, um, you know, we, oh gosh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. There's all uh, kinds of, it's, uh, it really is amazing. That's all I can say. I think that's all anyone can say. Um, but, but Phil, if I could, uh, I'll end on just, it's a little Sorry. bit different, but there was a, there was a case. My partner and I went to go and it was a complaint about, uh, it was a sexual nature. And, and so it, there was no charge. There was no evidence, but there was, it was enough where a neighbor had complained about a neighbor. So my partner and I went to this house and, you know, sometimes, you know, people realize, oh, law enforcement's at my door. Let me clean up my house or do something, get rid of whatever evidence of um, crime or just e even if it's remotely embarrassing. And we walked, I felt like we walked into a true sex dungeon and this guy was proud. And I sat on a custom made bright yellow banana leather couch <laughs> that's definitely going in the sizzle reel this this one show i've got to i got to cut this show down to a minute and 30 seconds somehow this is awesome. and it was wall to wall tapes this was vhs days okay Phil how many, how many uh, members of scs nation are we losing today like forty-seven thousand. i don't know um so I'm that sorry, was that no. That, that that's the type of individuals and he what he was very proud of it and very proud of his wall to wall there were no pictures it was all wall to wall vhs homemade tapes uh he was a producer and um just scott let me and i'm gonna ask phil the same question so you're going through this scene what do you got what are you guys what are you guys as in your fellow fbi agents when the doors are closed and you're in there alone and you're going through this crime scene, how hard are you laughing? What are you saying to each oh, other? If we're not, I'm not even making it back to my office. It's, <laughs> I mean, how are you guys technically, I mean, this is before texting, I guess, but are you guys just dying? Are you like tripping over each, over each other laughing? Like, Oh yeah. 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 Phil, yeah. Phil with a, with a guy that died from the dog allergies. I mean, what was going on behind the scene? Tell me about that. I mean, well, I mean, he would look like to be, I mean, a normal guy. You just never know what's going on behind closed doors, and you never know, you never know what the backstory is. There's a million stories in the big city. Yeah, but I mean, Phil, that, you, that, that that just happened to be his, and uh, you know, when you seven, make that death notification, you call their the family in Utah. Are your partners in that room with you? Are you like, well, well, are he, you like this on the phone, dying, like trying not to laugh, like no, no. It was the partner that I was working with that had to make that phone call because it was his. He was the primary on that case. I'm sitting over there in the chair across from him, and I'm rolling. <laughs> I am, you know, and he's trying. He's trying not to look at me because uh, he's about ready to lose it. And I mean, uh, yeah, it was. Just, it was a sad. It was. It was. It was sad. Is <laughs> what it was, but. I can tell you, of course, in the uh, in the apartment when we're doing the search in the apartment to see if we can find any kind of uh, evidence that's going to 
give us some answers here. I mean, you know, we started opening up, you know, uh, uh, drawers, uh, you know, and, and doors in the bathroom, and there were a couple of items in the in the cabinet that uh, one of them was quite large, and uh, my partner was it was a long marble countertop in there, and so I. I took that out and I just slammed it down in front of his face uh, unannounced. And of course uh, he was quite shocked because it was, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, quite large and mobile at that point. So and Phil, let me ask you, how long does it take for word to get around the Houston PD about this? And for the next three weeks, are you walking down the hall and everyone is like, how's the guy with the allergies? Like, does everyone know immediately? <clears throat> It's pretty fast with something like that, especially in the homicide division. And I can tell you, so what happened was the somebody, I won't name names, but someone, I can't remember the dog's name, but someone cut out a bunch of little dog footprints and started them at the elevator at the homicide division and then put them as it went through the door to my partner's desk. <laughs> and then there was a note left on there and it said something, I forget the dog's name, but I may have to look this up. But, uh, and it said uh, something like, uh, glad I got to know you, whatever the dog's name is. So, so yeah, there's a lot of morbid humor that goes on inside a homicide division. I can tell you that. But, in my uh, next life, I'm definitely coming back. I couldn't skip this comment. Trinity Vibes, favorite guest, sending love from Jersey. Right there is my hat. You can't see it. it's out of the shot. I didn't frame. Oh, let me let me say one thing. I guess a lot of comments about the about the cap and about the the Aloha shirt today, mm. and I don't think we explained it at the beginning, other than you just made reference to Magnum PI. Explain away, Phil. By the way, Chicago's yeah. northwest sides in the house. Go ahead, Phil. South this Africa. Is, this is the uh, this is the. Magnum PI shirt that Tom Selleck wore in the series. Not the actual one, but I mean, it was the styled shirt. And uh, my wife and I just finished the eight-season box set of Magnum PI. And he wore this shirt throughout the series. And this, he also wore Detroit because he loved the Detroit Tigers. So he wore these Detroit baseball caps. So I was able to obtain the Detroit baseball cap that was worn in the show and the shirt, and it is in celebration of the Magnum P.I. Ferrari that is now in Hawaii and sitting in my garage. So that explains the attire today. And you're looking very nice. Scott Duffy, uh, this professor, Themis Matsukas, 64, who gets caught by these park rangers. Uh, this is Pennsylvania, by the way. This is your old Commonwealth. Uh, what do you think he said to investigators when they showed up at his front door? It was probably the most reasonable thing I've heard. Oh, gosh. You got me? Well, I should say reasonable <laughs> for him. Tater Tot says Scott is so chill. He says, and I quote here, I'm done. I'm dead. You don't understand. I do it to blow off steam. He's a well-regarded chemistry engineering professor. He was quoted as saying that to Rangers. He then reportedly begged them, begged them, uh, saying, what do I have to do to get you to shoot me? I need to die. Does that surprise you? 
no, that doesn't surprise me. So it's, you know, and especially with, with that, with this type of crime and, and fetish. And so, yeah, so he, 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 uh, I've never really run against too much, um, um, holding back. It's, 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 it just pours out, especially when you talk to these people. And, and so that doesn't surprise me at all. And, and that's why I think, especially rangers walking up to individuals like this, that it can be extremely explosive. Um, and, and so, you know, somebody who's so high up in regard and obviously extremely intelligent, but, but then has this, this uh, deep, dark secret and not just, not just something fantasized about, but, but in a very uh, dangerous way. I mean, going out there in public and even though it's in the woods, it's still in a, in, in, obviously there are cameras there. So it's, uh, so my guess is it, it was, it had been progressing throughout the years. And, and so he got caught on tape and, and, um, you know, no, it doesn't surprise me at all what what he would say. Giving it it's up. going to be a rain Tuesday. Uh, I don't know if it's next Tuesday. I'm not sure about that. Uh, his charges include lewdness, indecent exposure, sexual intercourse with an animal, and animal cruelty. Um, this happened uh, nearly uh, two months after a trail camera installed by the DCNR at Roth Rock State Forest in Pennsylvania captured him the night of April 13th walking naked from the waist down uh, with his pet collie. Um, wow. Um, Lucy the Bengal, hello from New York, and I would love to know Phil's take on the whistleblower alien interview. We talked about this a little bit, uh, Bill Waters, but then the full interview aired, I believe, after we spoke last Friday, if I'm correct about this. And, uh, yeah, it aired last Sunday night, as a matter of fact. And this guy, David Grush, was a very high-ranking Air Force veteran. Uh, he decided to blow the whistle and essentially has come out and said the following. Uh, the U.S. government is in possession of alien spacecrafts. You yourself, by the way, I, I invoked your name in that episode and said a big, strong, tough detective that I know named Phil Waters says that he himself has seen UFOs in Hawaii. So he says that the United States government is in possession 100% of alien spaceships, non-human uh, craft, and also very likely, he believes, of alien beings who are no longer living. Uh, your response? Well, I didn't see the interview. You need to watch it. So I cannot comment on the totality of that interview. Given these things you've just said, now he is he. Do I understand he's got a military background? Of yeah, some kind? high ranking, top clearance uh, U.S. Air Force vet. Okay, and what does high ranking define as? I don't know his ranking, but he was involved with these top secret intelligence groups. And by the way, one of the things he says um, is that this particular organization, I forget the acronym, uh, they are so low on the radar that they kept themselves from any kind of congressional oversight on purpose. That's one of the things that he's blowing the whistle at. So even Congress doesn't know about this supposed uh, segment of the United States government. That's certainly possible. My question 
would be why now? Why is he coming forward now? I get nervous when Phil asks me questions, I have to admit. Um, it's a great question. He said that uh, he believes that there needs to be transparency, that too many people came to him with too many uh, of this sort of too much of this sort of information. Uh, it was weighing on him too heavy. And he has decided, he said, to finally come forward. Uh, a person who's still at the DOD, who's apparently well regarded, came out and basically uh, applauded this guy, David Grush, for speaking out. Um, and says that he's 100% genuine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, skeptics are sk still skeptical. Uh, the Phil Waters of the world are asking questions. But um, I guess bottom line, Phil, do you think aliens have uh, been on planet Earth? Well, I don't know, of course. Uh, I mean, I have no idea. I think... You know, almost anything is possible, so I think it's it's a possibility. I don't think it's something that should be discarded just out of hand. That, that answer amazed me, because I would think Phil would say it's complete BS. I don't buy it at all. But you never know Phil. He's a thinking man's man. Uh, Phil, what happened to the white German Shepherd? Uh, she remained with her owner, and... I don't know what he did uh, with her after that. We, we, there was nothing we could charge him with. There was not, in fact, at that time, I think there may be a law now, but at that time, I mean, we looked at everything, uh, bestiality, I, I mean, it, and there was nothing, not even an animal cruelty statute. So we, we couldn't, we couldn't find anything that would, translate into charging the guy that provided the dog and of course the the one that was provided the dog is dead so it was a it was a weird it was a weird case certainly one that stands out in my mind to this well, day. i forgot that i had two more we're going to rush through them because i can't keep these guys tied up forever raul thomas wants to know is it a 308 gts i know about as much as cars as i do about t-pain uh, Phil, is it a 308 GTS? It's a GTSI QV, hmm. 1984. Ski hat, Sarah. I'm glad Carm isn't here today. By the way, Carm would take this completely in stride. She wouldn't bat an eye. She would not. I could actually do an entire chapter from the book on bestiality. Carm would have something to say about it. She would not bat an eye. She's seen and heard it all. Um, Tara says Tom Selleck was a hunk. My late mom loved him. Uh, my mom was so in love with Tom Selleck. So now, as is my wife, by the way. Oh, by the way, and look at this: Tom Selleck is still a hunk, according to RLSM. Um, okay, this one I totally forgot about. We'll just do a three-word answer from each of them. I just want to get their take. Back to Pennsylvania, Scott Duffy. Um, a Pennsylvania. This is a very sad story and really screwed up, by the way. A Pennsylvania woman, Scott, has been charged with aiding suicide two years after she sent heinous and graphic messages to her estranged boy boyfriend. Uh, this woman, Mandy Roish, uh, basically on Facebook told this guy some of the worst things in the world, said, you're a horrible dad. Uh, I think they had a child together. Uh, you're going to add up to nothing. Uh, you're just the worst of the worst. And then also sent herself, him, photos of herself 
uh, in sexual acts, uh, graphic sexual acts with another man. And uh, long story short, this guy did kill himself. Um, you know, this isn't an overt act in the sense that she didn't take a gun and shoot him, but um, she's going to be charged from what I understand, should she be. Um, where do we draw the line between First Amendment free speech and driving someone to suicide by your words? Yeah, and, that, and actually I caught that, that it's been pretty much circulating our local news network, if I believe that was closer to Pittsburgh. I think it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and obvi I, I forget the names, but there was obviously a well um, televised, I believe it was even court TV, um, where, where a young woman um, yes. does everything in her it, texting and so forth to have her young boyfriend and, 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 and is charged and serving, had served some time. Um, so, you know, if the laws are written in such where she is aiding and abetting, she is contributing, she knows his mindset. He's the father of her child. And so what, you know, domestics, it's verbal abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, every other type of abuse, every everything that one can throw at another. Some people obviously should just never be together in, in such volatile relationships, but here now they're apart. And uh, for, at least from, from what the news is saying it, that's out there, that she's done everything in her power to continue to, um, to harass him. And so I don't know his mental state prior to, but I imagine she knew what his mental state was and, and his, uh, I'm sure he had, if he had uh, uh, suicidal ideologies um, and she uh, she did everything in her power to contribute that. So, you know, it's yes, he ultimately is in control. But if the mental state is so diminished um, and she is now in powered and control, driving him far down if not legally, right? But here they found they, 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 and I don't know specifically what, what laws, but th there are some Pennsylvania laws that would say, Hey, this, this is uh this is a crime. If, if, but if not a crime, if a, I, I would say beyond all imagine, definitely inhuman. So uh, it, it's just a horrible story that anybody can do such a thing, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's, long living domestic that that ends the way it is and and so it's you know she will have what what uh what's coming to her it's it's just it, to me it's horrible horrible inhumane uh phil waters uh this is as scott, as scott says horrible inhumane awful but is it a crime to torment someone via text email and explicit photos well, it would depend on how you're defining crime. Is there a statute that would have the elements necessary to charge that person with a crime, as Scott's already mentioned? That's the first criteria in terms of a uh, an immoral act or a crime against humanity, that kind of a thing from a from a moral perspective. 
Well, there's no question. I think when somebody is that depraved, they will take a person at their weakest moment and continue to feed it and promote it and cause them, drive them to get to the point. Because people that commit suicide have lost all hope. And if they are part of facilitating that feeling, then again, from a moral perspective, they are they are as they are guilty as homemade sin. They're horrible, horrible people. And you know, I, I think this particular case you're talking about, wasn't he a young man like 18, something like that? 18, 19? That was a that was a the that was like the original high profile case. It was a young yeah, girl who was tormenting a teenage boy and he well, committed. This, one, this one's how old? This, this is, one's mid thirties. I think he was oh, thirty I think he was thirty-eight. She's thirty-five. Oh, okay. okay. I, I mean I've seen pictures, I think, of this young man that's uh, this sexploitation thing that was on there. I think I, I think that's the case, but Regardless, when people feel a need, and, and, and trust me, these people that are doing this are getting a perverse pleasure out of doing this. So it, it is a, uh, again, I say it all the time, but there's evil in the world, and this is how it manifests itself sometimes among these people, these types of people. Ski Hat Sarah, the show has been a dang roller coaster. It's not over yet. We're at the very final turn right here, and then we'll call it a day. Harvard, uh, Scott Duffy, a former manager at the Harvard Medical School morgue, his wife and three other people have been indicted in the theft and sale of human body parts. That according, once again, Scott Duffy, to federal prosecutors in Pennsylvania. Um Cedric Lodge, 55, of Goffstown, New Hampshire, stole dissected portions of cadavers that were donated to the school in a scheme that stretched from 2018 to early 2023. That's five years. Uh, he was taking body parts without the school's knowledge, without permission. Um, these body parts, Scott, included heads, brains, skins, and bones, and he was taking them back home where he lived with his wife, Denise, and some remains were sent to buyers through the mail. Uh, he also allowed buyers to come to the Harvard morgue to pick what, rema uh, what remains they wanted to buy. Now, this isn't, um, you know, Joe Schmo College. This is Harvard University. Um, Phil says money, sex, or drugs. Uh, obviously, there's a big financial component here. Um, have these people no shame that they're willing to take bodies that were uh, donated to the Harvard University Medical School, to their morgue, and now sell these? Uh, what do you make of this? You know, this, this show really has encompassed a lot today, and I'm thinking how <laughs> difficult. Hey, how Mona difficult. says at least they were dead. A little bit of dark humor, <laughs> but uh, okay. How difficult it is to believe if aliens are visiting us, but uh, the, the but we have gone off the rails with and not we, but these people who are committing such amazing acts of crazy um, perversions, 
craziness is I just can't even put it in, in, into words, but, and, and of course it always comes back to something in Pennsylvania. And if I remember there was, um, uh, again, this week, there was a, a, a photo, a mugshot shown of one of the individuals making these online purchases of heads. Um, and he had all sorts of, um, let's just say interesting tattoos and amazing, um, piercings throughout his skull in the sense of horns, etc. And, and so even though the news didn't indicate the purpose for the purchasing of these heads, I can only imagine any, so anyone purchasing such things, what, there's nothing, there's nothing I can say that's rational, that's human, that's, um, just even plausible as to why um so uh you could you could you could go to a jeffrey dahmer yeah. uh, and any type of that individual well, i'm glad you brought that up patricia burns says what were they doing with them by the way oh, i yeah. wish i was making this up these are actual legit real yeah. like run by the associated press other very major uh legitimate news organizations so well, let, me, to, let, me, let me add something here. So water. this guy is taking these bodies that have been donated, right? Uh-huh. And he's found a way to, as perverted as it is, to monetize certain parts of these bodies. Correct. So let's throw this in here. I, mean, I don't think he's doing this, but what if he was splitting some of the proceeds with the families of the ones that donated the bodies? Would that, that is, it, would that make it worse or better? Would that make it more palatable? Uh, I mean, they donated the body. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, the the uh, victims' families spoke out here. The cadavers' families spoke out, outraged that this could happen. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they did. But my yeah. question is, hypothetically, my my question is, is that. What if that's what he was doing? He was splitting some of the proceeds, and and let's just say, for the sake of this discussion, the families were okay with this. Would that make it more no. or less perverted than what it is right now? Oh, uh, I would say that's my, that question. Was, that's my question for you, Joel. I would say more. That would be my answer. Um, going on here, uh, Phil Waters. According to prosecutors, the defendants were part of a nationwide network of people who bought and sold remains stolen from the Harvard Medical School, as well as an Arkansas mortuary. Um, they sold to a person named McLean. Uh, these are last names. But anyway, one of the person who bought this owns a place called Fittingly here. Cats with a K, like Catherine. Cats, creepy creations. A store in Peabody, not Peabody, but Peabody, Massachusetts, where authorities say she sold and stored human remains. The store's Instagram page notes the store sells creations that shock the mind and shake the soul, along with creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art. Imagine you go into the store and you just think it's like a creepy Halloween store, but these are real human body parts. I'll end with this and get your reaction. The indictment cites a transaction where one of the people selling 
sold human skin to, once again, Scott, a Pennsylvania man who tanned the skin and turned it into a leather, into leather. After he shipped more human skin to the man, she contacted him to confirm shipment arrived because she wanted to, quote unquote, make sure it got to you. And I don't expect agents at my door. Sure enough, the Scott Duffy's of the world did show up at the door. Um, Phil Waters, I think Mimi, Mimi asked it best. What the hell has happened to people, Phil? Well, I, you know, all these things coming out of Pennsylvania, they're going to have to change that little thing on the license plate from the Keystone State to the Herbert uh, State. But um, is that right, Scott? In, in the Keystone State? You know, yeah, I think I think it is still like that. Isn't that on I the license so, plate? Yeah. yeah. So, Scott, what uh, the hell's the matter with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? I know. Well, I, you know, it, it's it, the, the thing that I'm struck. I know way more about this today than I ever wanted to know. But I, I will tell you what I'm most shocked at is that there is a market for this kind of stuff. Mm. So it's it's this is the this is two sides of the same coin of perversion. It's just to me it's 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 when I when I was at Fox Five, uh I was an investigative reporter and we were working on a story. It never really panned out, although it was true. Um, we were tracking down. Uh, there is an underground um, monkey meat market in New York City where people look for monkey meat. Um, and it's dangerous because they carry viruses, as we all know. So uh, we got pretty far, but didn't get far enough um, to put together an actual story. Um Phil, let me ask you this. What is more disturbing to you, the Harvard body part story or the professor at Penn State making love to his dog that did not want to be loved? Well, first of all, he's not making love to the dog. He is sexually assaulting the dog. Correct, correct, correct. And uh, I don't know that there's a uh, sliding scale on perversion. <laughs> I, I think they're both equally... Um, perverted in their in, in just different ways uh, whoever whoever's taking part in either one of those activities they got uh they got some real issues they got some real issues jersey jen's going through a tough time she just said her mom fell again see you all another time we're thinking of you jersey jen sorry to hear that it's oh, not that's not terrible hard. um uh yes sp corrects me that was not making love that was definitely not making love i take that back do not send me hate mail i can't deal with it on a friday <laughs> night uh patricia burns uh are you effing kidding me um zoophilia is worse if that is there an actual word for that i wouldn't know but um that'd be interesting if that was the word um Scott, what disturbs you more, um, bestiality or selling uh, human brains uh, and skin? <laughs> what a way to end a Friday. Wow. Not, this is uh, <laughs> Wow. Bugs, I hope you're listening. The I, may, I, may make some, I may make some hate comments when this thing's over with myself. So. Uh uh, uh, hot, uh, ham, hot Ham Radio <laughs> is laughing at my use of making love. Um, I did not mean that. Don't send me hate mail once again. You know what I meant. Um, Hot Ham Radio says, by the way, I like that name. I'm dying. Uh, Chelsea says, yay Friday. Thank God it's almost over. I am delirious. I will never have coffee again. Um, 
Scott, what's more disturbing? I asked you. Don't try to get out of this. Bestiality no, or no, selling uh, brains and uh, human skin? So the bestiality is worse in the sense of the, a victim, right? You have that poor dog and any dog or any animal that suffers at the hands of a depraved human. So in that regard, you have a, a, a beautiful, innocent creature that is probably saying, what? <laughs> the, um, but the type of individuals purchasing, you know, the, the people selling are obviously, it's money, 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 money. And they're like, hey, if there's if there's a there's a market out there, I'm going to sell it, regardless of what it is. But the people receiving and doing whatever they're doing, um, there's just, I, you know, there's there's like Phil said, the if there was a sliding scale, it's a whole nother sense of depravity, and there's just nothing good that comes out of it. There's just nothing, nothing, and 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 where where does it stop from there? So. You know, there's there's all sorts of the, the, some some, I mean, pure evil because Jeffrey Dahmer started in a certain way, and mm. other serial killers uh, have started in a certain way and have escalated. So you know, by unless unless it's one scientist selling to another, but no, the the people receiving them are doing very weird things i'm gonna say something controversial and i probably will get hate mail for this but uh, i'm not a big fan of uh the death penalty I, I you know although i've changed a little bit um of the ultimate rehabilitation but bestiality with a dog might be deserving of uh the ultimate rehabilitation so uh you can send me your hate mail but i'm sticking with that um if anyone ever did that to my beloved mabel rose i would smack them and uh call the Phil Waters of the world and have them arrested. And I would, I would want the ultimate punishment for that. That is, you're not, you're not, you can't change. A leopard does not change its spots. Um, call me crazy. Call me extreme. Send me hate mail, but I'm sticking by it. Call for the death penalty for this guy. Uh, Tiff Knox. Uh, by the way, it's Mimi. You don't want to think this crazy crap is going on, but the reality is sickening. Um, Tiff Knox, this is like a bad case of would you rather ski hat Sarah? Could we please have a group therapy session for the next show? Um, I think I think Joel is suffering from some caffeine flashbacks at this point. I am. I'm delirious. RLSM. Well, with these happy stories, happy Father's Day, everyone. Uh, this this show was very good. I don't know what Tiffany is watching, but I uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah, this was uh, the Tiff Knox says, look, the dead people were already dead. Uh, Patricia Byrne says selling body parts is worse than bestiality. Um, listen, uh, this is so twisted that uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Uh, you can listen to TGQ, though. Um, hit that like button, please. Uh, quick programming note. Um no idea what I'm doing Monday yet. No show Father's Day because it's Father's Day. Hashtag family first. Um, Monday, I might try to do a follow-up to the aliens, even though I know we're true crime. But I'm riveted by that. We've got some skeptics, so I might do that if I can. Tuesday night, we have the legend, Dr. Ann Burgess, coming back. She had a horrible connection last time. It gave me a heart attack. And uh, she's coming back. She was an original witness at the Lyle and Eric Menendez trial. 
and she's going to be here to talk about her original testimony. Uh, that is Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, sensory combustion. Can we please go back to discussing aliens? Uh, you might be right. Um, I don't have to redo the whole bio. Uh, Bill Waters is an incredible homicide detective, retired, living his best life in Hawaii. Kindred Spirits Investigations is his company. Phil, parting thoughts for today. I think for one of the first times in my life, I'm speechless. I'm after stunned this, that this shocks you, after Phil. This, after this discussion. So I, I want to <laughs> leave this on an up note. Look, uh, I, would, I would just wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day. Those that have taken responsibility for the children that they have fathered. And for those that did not, they need to. Scott, by the way, Marie P., how can anyone send Sweet Joel hate mail? Trust me, I get a lot. Not as much as Phil, but I get a lot. And it's almost always directed at my behavior towards my beloved mother, who I love dearly. They tell me things like, you're going to regret it when she's gone. Um, and whether or not I have a very open, direct line of communication. Um, and probably didn't, we address, didn't we address this? Like yeah, it's unhealthy. Ago? It's not as unhealthy as hanging out with my colleagues. I mean, those, those people that are making those comments need to go somewhere else with that crap. Hmm. Thank you, Phil. Um, Joel, what do you think about the alien topic? Do you think they are real? Listen, I'm going to go with the Phil and Scott answer, which is you got to follow the evidence. And if this guy is speaking the truth, it looks like we got a lot bigger issues than uh, Republicans versus Democrats. Let's put it that way. Because when the aliens are here, I think everyone is going to be worried about a lot of different things than what we're worried about right now. Um, look at this, Patricia Burns. How sweet. Great show, you handsome dudes. Thank you. Uh, Scott Duffy, happy Father's Day to you both. What are your final thoughts here? Um, we've talked about Brian Koberger. We've talked about human brains. We've talked about uh, sexually <laughs> assaulting collies. Uh, what stands out to you this Friday? So you leave no, no stone unturned. You get to the bottom of everything. and so The irony uh, of this is I actually do a lot of homework. I was up very late preparing this show. I just want you to know. I do not come unprepared. Go ahead, Scott. And I, I just want to say um, I tip my, my hat to my dad, who 50 years this year is gone. So Whoa. I'm, uh, That's sad. I, I, I feel for all those who have grown up without pops, but um, it's, uh, but I have four beautiful children, and I'll be spending the day with them. Scott, I didn't even think you were 50. So by mm. doing the math, if he is your biological father, you have to be yeah. at least 50. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, Scott. Uh, one of my dear friends, Matt Brode, shout out to him. Uh, he lost his father when he was a junior, I want to say, in college. Uh, Matt Brode is the chief meteorologist at the NBC station in Tucson, Arizona. Great guy. And uh, we sometimes argue. We argue over dumb things. And we say... Was it harder for him to lose his dad who just dropped dead of a heart attack uh, so suddenly? Or was it tougher for me? I mean, we get into these dumb arguments, but it's difficult either way. 
And because uh, I had to see my father age. That's the argument. Uh, I don't want to get any more depressing on a Friday. Uh, Scott, anything cheerful to end on? Happy Father's Day. Have a great weekend. And, um, you know, cheers. It's Friday. That's a good thing. It's Friday. Are you going back to the microbrewery? Uh, no, no. No, you're not. And uh, Phil Waters, uh, Bible study tonight, pizza tomorrow? Correct. Love it. Phil, you look great in the Detroit Tigers. Did Nuggets sleep through all two hours, three minutes, and 27 seconds? I hope so, because she would have been. Tell you what Nugget did. I think about the time we got into the sexual assaults on. She dogs. went downstairs. <laughs> she went upstairs to to hang out with Mama. Dogs have a sixth sense. Love you, America. Love you, Hawaii, Houston, uh, Delaware, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Even though you're all twisted and sick, <laughs> and uh, love you, Australia, UK, Canada, everywhere, far and near. Until Monday, everyone. Oh, uh, hold on. We got a super sticker. I got to read it. Love the show, Joel. You do a great job hosting as always. Here's some love. Thank you so much. I Happy Father's Day to you all. Love you, everybody. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.